God is the author of the subject of love and sex and marriage and and relationships. And when it comes to the Bible, God's not gray. For everything in our relationships, the most important thing that should attract us to someone and that we should develop is godly character. We want to build relationships not on sinning together, but on honoring God together. If you want what others have, then do what others do. But if you want something different and you want something unique and you want something special, then do it God's way. For God's glory and for our good. Let's make sure we are looking for and we're being a faithful attraction. This is God's plan. This is God's design. And God's not gray. your Bibles, turn to Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 7. If you're looking for that, go to your Old Testament, go to the book of Psalms, then go to the right, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, then you'll get to Song of Solomon. We're continuing our series we began last week called God's Not Gray, because God wrote the book on love, uh, sex, relationships, and marriage. And last week we talked about four qualities in our relationships that we want to look for, that we want to be, that we want to develop. I'd highly encourage you, if you didn't make it last week, uh, go to our website, orchardchurch.tv. You can watch it online there, any of these. We usually have them up by Monday evening, and you can kind of get caught up. Now, of all the weeks you want to be here, I'm glad you guys are here this week, glad you're here last week, but of all the weeks you want to make sure that you're here, it's next week. You do not want to miss next week, because next week the message is called God Honoring Sex. Sex is not a dirty word, it's not an ugly word, it's something God created, it's special, it's beautiful inside of marriage, and we're going to be talking about that next week. Um, of all the weeks that are PG-13, next week is definitely one of those, so if you have children, I'd encourage you to utilize our wonderful children's ministry, but if you have uh, middle schoolers, or high schoolers, you want them in here to hear God's design uh, for sex, God honoring sex, because there's a difference between great sex and godly sex. You know, great sex is just great sex. But godly sex is great sex and godly sex. So you probably heard sex already more than you ever dreamed you'd hear in church this morning. Already. But listen, if that doesn't get you excited about being here next week for God honoring sex, then you need a little godly in your life because it's going to be a great message next week. This week we're talking about perfect seasoning is is the title today. How to pursue a mate in a God honoring way in that season of your life if you're not married. And if you are married, how to continue to pursue your spouse through all the different seasons. Because how many of you would agree with a show of hands There are different seasons in our relationships. There's different seasons we go through. We're going to talk about that today. There's different seasons, and each season has a uh, a specific purpose, and it's special. And and God wants to use that season for a purpose in our life. Now, unfortunately, for for most of us, if you're like me, you know, growing up, uh, before you're married, you're dating someone, and you're pursuing them, that season, there's all this pressure on, on the physical part of the relationship, especially if you're a guy. You know, you get into this relationship, you start dating this girl, and guys are like, how far did you get? You know, first phase, second phase, how far did you get? I remember uh, when I, one of my first girlfriends, I think I was in like fourth grade, and I I started liking this girl. She was uh, my sister's friend, so she came to our house all the time, so it was really convenient because she was over all the time. And I finally got her to be willing to go out with me. Now, we were in fourth grade. We weren't going anywhere. 
You know, we really didn't go out anywhere, but we said we were going out, we were going together. And I, I remember this is the first girl that I ever kissed, okay? Everybody say, oh. First girl. Now, Shelly knows about this story, okay? So, and, and so that's okay. But I remember I was in fourth grade. And uh, I, I was like, I, I really want to kiss this girl. And so I, I was really working myself up. Her name was Diane Dupuis. She had a French last name, Dupuis. You know, so you know, this is good. So uh, I, I, I said, I want to, I want to, I'm going to kiss this girl. And I, so I worked myself up and I thought, you know, I better talk to her about this first. And so I told her that I, I was planning to kiss her. And, and I even told her the day. I said, okay, tonight I'm going to kiss you tonight. And she's like, okay. You know, and, 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 and we actually, I had got her to go to church with me. So we were at church in, in our, in, and we had a church building. We were in the building that night. I said, tonight's not going to kiss you. I figured, you know, if I kissed her at church, God would be okay with it. That's kind of what I was thinking. And so we, we're in this hallway. It's after church. Nobody else is around. And she's standing against the wall. And I'm like, okay, are you ready? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, are you sure you're ready? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, no, are you really? I, this went on for like 20 minutes. I'm not kidding. Because I was scared and I was afraid. And I was like, I don't know about this. And so finally I got up enough courage. And this is a true story. I, I went up to her and she was a little taller than me. I know that surprises you guys. She's a little taller than me. So I had to kind of get on my tiptoes. I, I gave her like the quickest kiss in history. I was like, and, and you know what I did right after that? I ran. True story. I ran. I ran down the hall. She had to find me later because I was so embarrassed, uh, you know, and in in what I was doing in this pursuit is I just ran away. Well, hopefully you uh, can do a little better than I did in the seasons of your relationship. So I want to help you with that this morning as we see in this story, uh, this couple, King Solomon and the Shulamite woman, as they are pursuing each other through the different seasons of the relationship. Now, they're not married yet. Next week, they're going to get married. And they're going to consummate the marriage. And we're going to talk about that. But right now, they are in love. They're head over heels in love. And we're going to watch how they handle these different seasons. And it helps all of us. So I hope you'll take some notes this morning. First of all, you're going to go through a season of infatuation. And some of you can remember this. You're going to go through a season of infatuation where you're head over heels in love. We pick it up in verse 7. Song of Solomon chapter 2 verse 7. And this is the woman speaking, and she says, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field. And now watch what she says. Do not stir up nor awaken love until it what? Until it pleases. And what is she saying right there is, we've got to be careful in this stage of infatuation of our relationship because we're not yet husband and wife. We're not yet married. We are infatuated with each other. We're head over heels in love with each other. We're having all these thoughts. She's describing about their, their night of their, their wedding and when they consummate this. But she's like, it's not time yet. If we're going to honor God in this relationship, we've got to make sure we don't stir things up too much and awaken love. And before it pleases, it pleases God. She's preparing that. And then she says, the voice of my beloved. Now she's describing how she feels about this guy. And this is hilarious. The voice of my beloved. She's talking about Solomon. Behold, he comes. I see him coming. He's leaping on the mountains. He's skipping on the hills. As she envisions, here he comes. He's coming over the hills for me. You know, we're, we're going to dinner. We're going to a movie together. I mean, she is so infatuated and excited about this guy. She says in verse 9, my beloved, watch this, he's like a gazelle or a young stag. <laughs> Shelly used to call me, her, call me her young stag. Now I'm her middle-aged stag, I guess. 
young stag. Behold, he stands. Now watch this. Behold, he stands behind our wall. He's looking through the windows. What is he, a peeping Tom? I mean, what is going on here? But she's going to like this. He's, he's standing behind her wall. He's looking through the windows. He's gazing through the lattice. I mean, she's so in love. Oh, there he is. He's looking for me. He's peeking over the wall. He's waiting for me. She's infatuated. Y'all remember this season? Say yes. And this is when all the love songs make sense. You know, anything you hear, it's about this person you're infatuated. You know, um, every little thing she does is magic. Everything you do just turns me on. You know, you're like, okay, that's enough of that. But you, you think about this. And, and you buy every card at Walmart, all the love cards. You give them away. You, you look in the clouds and you see hearts and you see Cupid in the clouds in this infatuation time. And everything that this guy is doing is cute and lovely to her. I mean, he's gazing through the lattice. Now, that, you would think that, that's either creepy or it's cute. I mean, is this guy a stalker or what? But, but she thinks it's cute. Now, now, let me just stop right here. I want to keep this real. I want to help, especially some of you men. When you've been married, especially 15, 20 years, like Shelly and I, we've been married 22 years, it's really hard to know after many years of marriage when you do things toward your spouse, whether they're going to think they are cute or creepy. And there's a very fine line. And some of you all know what I'm talking about. You know, she's in the kitchen, she's fixing dinner, you walk by, you know, and she's like, and sometimes she's like, oh, don't do that. Other times she's like, oh, man, you're disgusting. You pervert. Is that all you think about? And you never really know. Am I going to be cute today or am I going to be creepy today? And there's no rhyme or reason. It's the great mysteries of a woman. But it doesn't stop us, does it, men? We just do it and then we find out. Am I cute or creepy? I'm not really sure. Hey, I'm just preaching truth, okay? You should know the truth. The truth will set you free, right? So they're in this infatuation period. And then in verse 10, she says, My beloved spoke to me and said to me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. I mean, this is the season of infatuation. She's ready to go anywhere, anytime, run away. I mean, these are the crazy things you do when you're in love and you're dating. I remember when Shelly and I, when I first started liking her and being interested in her. We were going to the same Bible college at this time. And she drove a little white Toyota Corolla. And she would always park in her dad's spot at the college because he was the vice president, president of the college. And she would park in his spot because it was closer to the classes. And one day I saw her car... And so I, I wrote a note, and this was before, you know, we really had started dating, and I was just kind of starting to pursue her. So I wrote a little note, hey, hope you're having a great day, hope your day is wonderful, praying for you today, and I put it on her car. What I didn't realize was her dad had drove that car that day, and he gets the note, and he goes home, and he's bringing this up at dinner, and he's like, I got this note, and he asked Shelly, he's like, does Doug Dameron put notes on all the girls' cars, Shelly? And she's like, I don't know. You know, it's like the crazy things that we do during that, that period of time, and, and I remember I was 24, she was 18, and her dad was like, listen, Shelly, Doug is not looking for a girlfriend, he's looking for a wife, and Shelly was like, I know. But the crazy things we do during this time of infatuation, studies show that this infatuation period can last anywhere from one day to six months. 
That's about how long it lasts. They say on rare occasions it'll last up to two years. It doesn't last forever. And what happens is when we're in this period of infatuation, if you remember back to that, we think, man, it could never get any better than this. This is the best it's ever going to be. We're so in love. But can I tell you, church, it can get better than that. But first it's got to get real. You got to go through real life together. You, you got to share hopes and dreams and have some ups and have some downs and work through some challenges. And when you do that, as you work through life together and you have some, maybe some kids together, you go through life together, things can get indescribably better. They can get infinitely better than just the emotional time of infatuation. When you've been married year after year after year, if some of you know what I'm talking about, say yes. We, we, want, we, we want to get past just the infatuation period of time. Now, let me, let me help some of you. If you're single or you're single again, it's important that we honor God in every season of our life and relationship, just like this couple was doing, that we don't awaken and stir up love until the right time. And so let me just quickly give you three things that are in your notes. During this season, if you want to honor God, you've got to limit some things. You've got to limit your time. You know, don't quit your job to spend every waking hour with this person. Don't quit your friends. Don't quit your church. You know, integrate your life into their life, their life into your life, and, and keep doing life together. You've got to limit your time. You've got to limit your talk. Limit your talk. You know, don't on the second day say, oh, I love you so much, and you're the person of my dreams that I've been waiting. You're the only one for me. And you got to limit your talk because if you say those kinds of things too early, too fast, you're putting too much pressure on the relationship and there's not enough foundation to hold that kind of pressure to live up to because you know what the greatest foundation you can can put on your on your relationship other than to be a godly foundation is a friendship having a, a friendship and developing that friendship and getting to know that person and that'll last you the rest of your life in your relationship so limit your time limit your talk and then if you want to honor god during this infatuation time you gotta limit your touch you got to limit your touch. No honking, squeezing, rubbing, patting, or pulling. Okay? Because when you start doing those things, it leads to things that dishonor God. That's what they said in verse 7. Let's not stir up or wake in love until it pleases. So in this season of infatuation, we want to limit our time, our talk, and our touch. Build our relationships on strong friendships that can last for years and years to come. So that's how to handle that season of infatuation. You'll also have this season. You have it in your notes. You'll have a season not only of infatuation, but you'll probably go through a season of preparation. You'll have a season of preparation. Look at verse 11. The, the woman still, the Shulamite here, is still talking. And she says, for lo, the winter is what? It's past. The winter. Everybody say winter. The winter is past. We, we've gone through that season, and now we're entering a new season of our relationship. The, ra the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. What is it? It's springtime. They've been in winter, and now it's springtime. The fig tree puts forth her green figs, and the vines with the tender grapes give a good smell. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. They're about to be married. We're going to get to chapter 4 next week, and we're going to see them get married. They've come out of this season of preparation. The winter has passed. The wedding is coming. But God has been preparing us and our relationship for this time. And let me just say to some of you who you're, maybe you're not yet married, you want to be married, God loves you too much to allow you just to rush into a lifelong relationship and marriage and a relationship without preparation. You've got to be prepared for that time. 
And God's going to prepare you. Maybe you're not ready. God knows it yet. Maybe you've had some hurts in your past and past relationships. Maybe you've been hurt by a previous marriage and you've got to heal. You've got to learn to forgive. You've got to learn to trust people again. And God prepares you for the person he has for you. And I think there's two ways he prepares us. One, he prepares us spiritually. Before we're married. He prepares us spiritually. Uh, Maybe you've made some mistakes in your past. Maybe you haven't always walked with God. Or you have, like myself at one time, walked away from God. I've shared my testimony. It's time to, to learn to grow spiritually again before you find the person God has for you. God is renewing your mind. God is wanting himself to be your first love. Anytime we talk about marriage, we say that God is to be our, our one. People talk about finding the one. God is to be our one. Amen, church? And then our spouse is to be our two. And maybe during the spiritual time of preparation, God is preparing you to say, I want to make sure you're falling in love with me first. And, and then we have a right relationship first. And then I will lead you to your two as I'm your one. Because this story of Song of Solomon is not just a true story about King Solomon and the woman of his dreams, the Shulamite woman falling in love. It's a picture of God's love for us. It's a picture of God. Pers- Suing us and God wanting an intimate relationship with us. And that's where it starts. And so during this preparation period, during the winter, God prepares us spiritually. What happens in the wintertime to trees? The roots get deeper into the ground so they can be stronger in the spring. That's why we talk about discipleship all the time here at Orchard Church. Where you are discipled in God's word and a relationship with him. And that's a great, the best foundation to build your relationships on. This was true. Before I met Shelly, I had I had a lot of messed up relationships and I didn't do it God's way. And, and before I met Shelly, I wanted to be married, but God, I, I, was, I was falling in love with God. I was falling in love with his word again and I was growing so I could be the godly husband God wanted to be, so I could be the godly father that he wanted me to be. And I, I look back, I didn't like it at the time, but I look back now and I thank God for the winter time of preparation. Not only will God prepare us spiritually during the time of preparation, He will prepare us practically. You know, some people just practically need to be prepared for marriage. Some people just need to grow up first. Parents can I have an amen. They just need to grow up, especially guys. You know, guys, you've got to be prepared practically to take on the responsibilities of a marriage. You've got to learn to change your underwear every three days whether you need it or not. You've got to learn to... Have a job and be on time and pay the bills and live on a budget, you know, before, before you're married. You know, you talk to young couples and they're all in love and they're infatuated and they want to jump right into marriage. And you say, well, how are you guys going to live? How are you going to pay your rent? We're just going to live on love. Well, what, what's that going to look like? Go to King Supers, load up your groceries, go to the checkout line. They're like, that's $200. Just put it on our love account. Just write L-O-V. You know, get your electric bill, your heating bill, you know, comes in the mail. Just write love on that and send it in. You won't have heat and electric very long. You got to be prepared. So when we're in these seasons before marriage, we got to embrace these seasons. Embrace the winter season. You know why? Because you can't have spring until you first have winter. You can't have spring until you first have winter. Embrace those seasons. So before marriage, there's a season of infatuation. There's a season of preparation. And then in all seasons, there's a couple of things we want to do. Whether we're single or we're married. This is for everybody. In all seasons, watch what this couple does. First of all, in all seasons, we've got to learn to pursue intimacy. In all seasons, pursue intimacy. And that's an interesting word. Look at verse 14, what she says. This is the desire of her heart with Solomon, the man that's going to be her husband. She says, oh, my dove, 
in the clefts of the rock, in the, what's the next word? Secret. Everybody say secret. In the secret places of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet. Your face is lovely. What is she saying? I just want to meet with you face to face, eye to eye. I want to share our deepest, darkest secrets with each other. I want us to be open. I want us to talk. It is so important in all seasons of our relationships, whether single or married, that we build healthy intimacy. Now, most people, when they think of intimacy, they think of romance. And they use those words interchangeably. But there's a difference between intimacy and romance. You know, romance is songs and hearts and chocolates and cards. But intimacy is transparency. That's what it is. Intimacy is transparency where you don't, you don't keep anything from each other. You don't, you don't have any secrets. And, and let me just say this. And you may not agree with this, but, but I believe this with all my heart. If you, especially if you're married, if you keep secrets from one another in a marriage relationship, you are short-circuiting God's plan for intimacy. God doesn't want there to be secrets among a husband and a wife. There needs to be intimacy Openness which means you, you, you share your heart with one another. You share your feelings. You share your fears. You share your hopes. You share your, your dreams. You open up. You say, I, I want to know everything about you, and I want you to know everything about me. God wants us to pursue intimacy in all seasons of our relationship. Here's a great way to remember intimacy, a great way to define it. Intimacy is into me you see. Into me, you see. I'm not going to hide anything from you. I'm not going to keep anything back from you. And then romance follows true intimacy. If you want romance, romance is a byproduct of intimacy. I mean, think back, for those of you that are married now, back when you were dating. And I know a lot of times I talk to, to wives, you know, and in counseling, and they're like, oh, we were so close when we were dating. I felt like I knew everything about him. I felt like I knew everything about her. We just talked, 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 talked. We talked all the time. Then we got married. And he stopped talking. He wouldn't open up. He wouldn't say anything. I, and I don't know how you guys were with your relationship. But when Shelly and I were dating some 23 years ago, we used to talk on the phone all the time. Now, that was before cell phones. So we had these things called landlines. And there was a cord attached to our phone. And if you wanted privacy, you better have a really long cord so you could slip it, you know, under the bathroom. And I remember many nights, you know, Shelly and I, we were both in college together. And we had classes. But we'd be on the phone till like midnight, one, two in the morning, just talking on the phone, talking about life, talking about dreams, talking about hopes, trying to find out, are, are we right for each other? Is, is God in this? And we would just talk and we would talk and we'd talk. And I don't know if any of you guys had this happen to you? It'd be like two, three in the morning. We'd have class the next day. We'd be like, we gotta go. We got we can't talk all night. And then we'd be like, okay, will you hang up? No, you hang up. I don't want to be the one. No, you hang up. Okay, let's do it together. On the count of three, let's hang up. All right, ready? One, two, three. Are you still there? Yeah. Anybody else do that? Come on. And we just talked and talked. But sometimes people get married and they stop talking. They stop sharing. They stop being open. And they short-circuit intimacy. I really believe that this is one of the things that has helped Shelly and I so much in our relationship. We've been married 22 years and we have always talked a lot. I know, and, and, and I'm a little different than some guys. I'm a talker. I know that surprises you guys, but I'm a talker. 
So I come home, you know, and Shelly's like, how was your day? Well, let me tell you, you know, I, I tell her everything. And, uh, you know, Shelly and I, when we first moved to Colorado, uh, we, we wanted a hot tub. We thought that'd be a really cool thing to have in Colorado. So we got on Craigslist and we found a used hot tub. It was a good deal. We could afford it, pay cash for it, bought it. And we have had some amazing conversations, you know, just sitting in the hot tub because there's no TV. You can't have your cell phone. Drop that in. And just for hours, I mean, we sit out there till we're like prunes, just talking about life, talking about our kids and talking about our future and talking about what God's doing in Orchard Church and how much God has blessed us beyond our imagination. And where, where do we see ourselves? You know, Caleb's now in college and Caitlin's, you know, getting ready to graduate and what's you know, just all just sharing life together and talking. Some of you are like right now writing down on your paper, get a hot tub. Pastor Doug said, go for it. You know, go for it. And we just share and we just talk. But, it, but that isn't the case in all relationships. And I, I think there's this danger that if we're not careful when we get married, it's easy to think that we're close to each other because we share everything. I mean, we share the same house, we share the same food, we share the same toothpaste, we share the same bed, we share the same toilet, which can be really disgusting to her at times because guys are a bad aim, but we share everything. And so we think, well, because we share everything, we're close. Let me say something that will help some of you guys in your relationship. There's a difference between being close by someone and close to someone. Let me say that again. There's a difference between being close by somebody and being close to somebody. God doesn't want you just to be close by your spouse. He wants you to be close to your spouse. That you cultivate and you work on intimacy. And for some of you, you know, like myself, you lead very chaotic, busy lives. You throw some kids into that mix and before you know it, your intimacy is gone. You don't talk anymore. And, and for some of you, the best thing that you could do... To put this message into practice is to just say, we're going to have a date night. This is our night. We're going to protect this night. If we got kids, we're going to get a babysitter, do whatever we need to do. We've had this conversation with our kids many times, especially when they were little and they were younger. You know, now that, that they're older, they don't care so much. When they were younger and we'd be like, we're going out. Where, where are you going? And, and we explained to our kids, listen, we had a relationship together before you guys came along. And we're going to have one after you're gone. So we need to keep this thing healthy. And so some of you, the best thing you need to do is you just need to carve out some time and have, have a date night and spend some time and, and, and go back and do the things when you used to date. What did we used to do when we dated? We went out and ate. We went to movies. went to sporting events. We rode bikes together. We went on walks together. Go back and do those things you used to do to cultivate intimacy. We need to pursue intimacy during all seasons of our relationship. When was the last time you and your spouse just sat down face-to-face, eye-to-eye, and talked about life. Not the weather, not the Rockies, the Broncos. I mean, you talked about life. Where have we been? Where are we? Where are we going? And had intimate conversation. Guys, you want more romance? Work on the intimacy. Because romance is a byproduct of intimacy. Intimacy. Into me, you see. She'll love you for it. You need to cultivate that. So in all seasons, pursue intimacy. And then in all seasons, you want to make sure you protect purity. You protect purity. Look at verse 15. He says, catch us the foxes. Those little pesky foxes that spoil the vines. For our vines have tender grapes. Now, he's using this as a metaphor. Remember, we've seen this already in the study. We'll continue to see it. The vine is a picture of what? The body. He says, listen, we're not married yet. 
We're dating, we're in love, we're infatuated, we have all these feelings and emotions, but we got to watch out because those little pesky foxes, the enemy will send those foxes to eat the blossoms off the vine and then there will be no grapes that will bud because our, our relationship is blossoming, but we haven't had the marriage yet. We got to watch out for those little foxes that could spoil things. And we need to understand before we're married, our, our enemy would love to spoil God's best and design for our marriage. We've got to protect purity. And even once we are married, inside the marriage relationship, we've got to protect purity so we can continue to have God honoring sex. And we'll talk about that next week. We'll get, we'll get into that and how we protect that purity in God's design. But, but for those of you that are single or single again, let me say this. I said it last week. I'll say it again. Whenever you're dating someone before you're married, you have one of two choices. We're either going to honor God together physically or we're going to sin together. That, that, those are our only two choices. Honor God together or sin together. We've got to understand we have an enemy that wants to send the little foxes to spoil what God is trying to do. And we have to ask ourselves, what foundation are we laying for our future marriage? A godly foundation or a dishonoring to God foundation? And I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty. I'm not trying to put shame on people. Because as I shared with you openly last week, before I met Shelly, I messed this up in a lot of relationships. And I caused myself a lot of trouble in a lot of relationships because I didn't get this right. But when I met Shelly, we said, listen, we're going to honor God together. And we waited till we were married to be physical together. And I thank God we were able to do that. So if you, if you say, well, how do we protect our vines, our bodies before marriage? Now, for those of you that are married, you're like, well, this doesn't really apply to me. Well, do you have kids? Because this, you, there's some things I'm going to tell you that could, you could share with your kids. You have grandkids, you could share this with your, your grandkids. You might want to write these down. I, I think I left you some space in there. How do we protect our vines, our bodies, in a God-honoring way before marriage so the little foxes don't spoil things? Let me just give you some real practical things. First thing is this. You need to explain your standards up front in the relationship. You, you know, Shelly did that with me, and it helped me so much. She said, listen, I, I, I am a virgin, and I am saving myself for my husband when I get married. And I was like, praise God. Yes. And she, and she set those standards, and, and, I, and I was happy that she did that. You don't wait till you're in the back seat of the car, and the windows are all fogged up to go, oh, wait, wait, time out. I forgot to tell you. I'm saving myself for marriage. Probably too late, okay? So set your standards, your expectations right up front. Here's another thing that will help you. If you don't want the little foxes to spoil things before you're married, four feet on the floor. You're two feet on the floor, her two feet on the floor. You're watching a movie, keep four feet on the floor. Because as soon as she puts her two feet up, swings them up on your lap, and you rub her legs, and you realize she shaves her legs, and they're nice and smooth, things begin to happen. <laughs> things begin to spoil, Okay? Here's another one. Just keeping it real, okay? You want to have a God-honoring relationship before you're married. You don't want the foxes to spoil things. you got to keep things buttoned, zipped, latched, and tied. Just throwing it out there, okay? you got to keep things buttoned, zipped, latched, and tied. It's amazing how easy it is to be sexually pure before marriage when you keep all your clothes on. It's amazing how much that can help you. And then here's another one. You can laugh at this, but it's true. As much as possible... Keep your tongue in your own mouth, okay? I'm just trying to help you. I'm not saying kissing before marriage is wrong or it's a sin. I'm not saying that Shelly and I didn't kiss before we were married. But I'm just telling you, when you start doing that thing, you start playing tonsil hockey, and things begin to happen. Am I right? Say yes. God designed it that way. 
You start, you know, and the little foxes start coming out. Woo, here we go. We're going to spoil things. Now, now, now listen, I can tell you this. I wasn't tempted physically with Shelly before we were married until the first time I kissed her. And then things began to happen. That, that, that didn't take them anywhere, but I, I, I thought about it. You know, as soon as I kissed her, and listen, I'm a pastor, and I love Jesus, but I'm just trying to keep it real. I'm trying to help some of you guys. You know, and the first time I kissed her, I didn't run. I stayed. I lingered a little bit. And I'm just telling you, as a pastor being real, after a while, your pastor's hands got tired, even when we were kissing. The foxes came out. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just preaching truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Can I be honest with you guys? Is it okay? Can we have fun in church? Okay, good. Because if not, I'm gonna have fun without you. All right. I'm just trying to help you. If you're single or single again, and you want to honor God in your relationship, you got to watch out for the little foxes. You got to protect purity. We'll talk more about how to do that within the marriage ne- next week. Um, before I was a pastor, I worked with teenagers, students, for like 10 years. And, and I talked a lot about sexual purity with, with teenagers and, and honoring God and, and waiting for something amazing and something special and the way God designed it. And, and I used to get this question all the time. And you've gotten this question. If you haven't, you'll get this question. Your kids may or may not ask you this question. How far is, say it, too far? How far is too far? I had a spiritual mentor of mine share a verse with me that was life-changing. And I share it with many of my students. And I want to share it with you guys. And you can share it with your kids, your grandkids. If you're single, you need to hear this. Because I think it's a verse that really helps us to know how far is too far. And and it paints a great picture. The Apostle Paul is, is writing to young Timothy, his disciple. Timothy is not married. And he's a pastor. And he's trying to help him how to treat ladies. And he says this in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 2. Now watch this. He says, Timothy, you need to treat the older women as you would your mother. I mean, isn't that nice? That, that paints a picture. You need to love her, respect her, honor her like you would your mom. Okay, got it. And then Paul says to young Timothy, single guy, watch this. He says, and treat younger women, the single women, the unmarried women, with all, what's the next word? Purity. You got to protect purity as you would your own Sisters, he says, you just treat the younger unmarried women or whoever you date, treat her like your own sister and it's going to help protect purity. Let's think about this for a second. Would you hold hands with your sister? Yeah, sure. Would you maybe put your arm around your sister? Yeah, I'd probably do that. Would you give your sister a hug? Yeah, I've hugged my sister. Would you maybe, you know, if you're really close to your sister, maybe give her a a kiss on the cheek or maybe a quick kiss on the lips? Yeah, you'd probably do that. Would you play tonsil hockey with your sister? Not unless you're from Arkansas. I'm just telling you guys. That verse was defining for me. If I want to honor God before marriage in my relationship and I want to protect purity, the boundary is treat her like my sister. That helps me. (laughs) And it can help all of us to protect purity. So I hope that helps some of you guys. Um, So what are the results of these seasons? This, This couple, they grew during the season of infatuation. 
They grew during their season of preparation. They got closer to God. They pursued intimacy. They protected purity. And now we're going to see them right before they're getting ready to get married next week. We're going to, we're going to go to the wedding. We're going to see all this play out. But, but they're thinking about their marriage. They're thinking about the first night they're going to be together. She's especially thinking about it. And, and watch the result of, of how they've honored God in all these seasons. She says in verse 16, My beloved is mine and I am his. We have saved ourselves for each other exclusively. A monogamous relationship. I am his and he is mine. And let, let me just say this for a second here. I know we're mainly focusing on the practical, but this is one of the most famous verses in this story. This is also a picture of God's love for us. And, and God says, I am yours and you are mine. When we enter into that personal relationship through Jesus Christ. And she, she's describing, we're about to be married. We're about to be one. I, my beloved is mine and I am his. And then she says, he feeds his flock among the lilies. She's thinking about their wedding night. There's about 18 things I'd like to say about how he's going to feed his flock among the lilies. We'll get into that next week. You say, is that what it sounds like? Yes, it is. Verse 17. And then she's thinking about their wedding night. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee away. When does the day break and the shadows flee? In the morning. She's thinking about their wedding night. She's like, I, she's saying this to her man. I want you all night long. That's in the Bible. Turn, my beloved. Watch this. It gets better. Turn. I'm just giving you a taste of next week. Turn, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or a young stag. Upon the mountains of Bether. Does that mean what I think? Yes. That's in the Bible. I love the Bible. You should read your Bible. And just wait till next week. You haven't seen anything yet. It's beautiful. It's wonderful because they've done it God's way. Through all the seasons of their life and all the seasons of their relationship. And we're not going to be afraid to celebrate this. And we're not going to be afraid to talk about this. Because when you do it God's way, it's an amazing thing. Now, let me say again. What I said last week, let me say it again this week. And I'll say it again next week, I'm sure. I know some of you that are married, you're hearing some of this about honoring God and protecting purity. And you're like, well, we blew that one. And I don't want anybody to feel bad. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty or shame. That's what the enemy does. And I'm not, I don't want to side with the enemy. And if you didn't do it right, it's not too late to make it right. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Can I have an amen? amen. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. If you didn't do it right, just ask God to forgive you and move on and celebrate the freedom and the victory of that. But if you want what everyone else has, then do what everyone else does. And for most people, it leads to trouble. But if you want something different and you want something special, let's try it God's way. Let's do it God's way. For God's glory and our good, let's honor God in all the seasons of our relationship. Because as I read this book, can we agree once again? God's not gray. God's not gray. And it's amazing what you can experience when you do it God's way. Let's pray. Father. Thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the challenge. 
in all of our relationships, no matter what season we're in, I pray that, God, we would honor you in all the seasons of our life. Your heads bowed, nice, closed, and attitude of prayer right now. If you're here today, you would say, you know what? God has spoken to me this morning. I want to make sure I'm embracing the season that God has me in. For some of you, you know, you're, you're, you're desperately wanting to be married, but God has you in a season of preparation. There's a purpose, and I hope you'll embrace that. Maybe for some of you, I realize you're, you're married, but you feel like you're in a winter season in your marriage. You feel like some things have died. You've lost some intimacy. You've lost some romance. And God is wanting through this story and through God's word to stir some things back up, to get you reconnected intimately and romantically. And maybe you, you say, you know, our marriage is just hanging on by a thread. And, and, and I want to, man, I, I hear this stuff coming from God's word. And I, we once had that, but we don't now. And I want to get back to that. If God has spoken to you already this morning, whether you're single, preparing, or you're married, and you're going through a difficult season, you know there's some things that... You need to do better. You, you know that you need to work on intimacy. Can I pray for you? Would you slip up your hand in honesty all across the auditorium? Just, just pray for me, Pastor Doug. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Many hands. Thank you. Thank you. For some of you who say, you know, I, I know that I need to grow spiritually. I need to pursue God. I need to pursue my spouse. I don't want to just be close by them. I want to be close to them. Let, let me pray for you. Father, I just pray that you would help us to put into action these things very practically that we're learning. Lord, that we would honor you in all the seasons of our life and our relationships before marriage, during marriage. That we would get to experience the beauty and the joy of a relationship that you have designed and what we read about between King Solomon and the Shulamite woman. That we would do the practical things to Experience your blessings as we honor you in all stages and all seasons of our life. For the single people, I pray, God, that they would, maybe they've made some mistakes in the past in, in relationships. Maybe they're in a relationship right now that they haven't been honoring you. But I pray from this moment and this day forward that they would ask you to forgive them, and we know that you will, and that they would say, from this day forward, we're going to do it different. We're going to do it God's way. We're going to experience God's best and being blessed. And Lord, for all of us in our, in our marriages, that we would pursue an intimate relationship with you and with each other. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if, if you're here today and you've never received Christ, your Lord and Savior, you, you may not realize it, but you've been in a season where God has been drawing you to himself. This love story is a picture of God's love story toward you. He loved you so much and loves you so much and so desperately wants an intimate relationship with you that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to forgive your sins so you could have a relationship with him. And he's been pursuing you. He's been pursuing you and reaching out to you and drawing you with his love. Isn't it time you responded? Isn't it time you gave your life to him and you began to pursue him? If that's you and you know it's you and God is speaking to your heart today, I want to give you an opportunity to open your heart and your life to Jesus today, to invite him into your life, to be the love of your life, to be number one in your life, to be your Lord and Savior. I want to lead you in a prayer of faith that you can pray from your heart to God's right where you sit right now. It's not a magic prayer. These aren't magic words. But if you put faith and belief behind it, you can enter into a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior, Jesus, who loves you more than you can ever dream or imagine. If that's you today, would you pray this prayer with me? 
and mean it. Pray it from your heart to God. So it goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you showed your love to me by dying on the cross to pay for my sins. You've been pursuing me. And from this day forward, I want to pursue you in all the seasons of my life. Jesus, would you come into my life? Be my Lord. Be my Savior from this day forward. I want to be yours and I want you to be mine. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you for your pursuit of me and never giving up. Thank you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, we'll be looking around for just a minute. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you just prayed that prayer of faith for the first time, you meant it. I'd love the honor and privilege to pray for you, that you grow in your pursuit and relationship with Jesus from this day forward. Would you just slip up your hand and say, yes, Pastor Doug, would you pray for me because I did accept Christ today? Would you just put up your hand so I can see it? God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, young person. Thank you. Anyone else? Just slip up. God bless you, young man. Thank you. Several people. Anyone else? Yes, I prayed that prayer of faith. I accepted Christ. I want to pursue a love relationship with him. Thank you, several people. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for all those that put their faith and trust in you today, that they would grow in a loving, beautiful relationship with you from this day forward, that they would spend time with you in an intimate relationship with you as they read your word and open your word, the love story to them as they pray and they share their hopes and their dreams and their fears and and their failures with you in an intimate relationship. They would grow in that loving relationship from this day forward and that all of us would grow in our relationships with our mates, with our spouse or our spouse-to-be, and that in all the seasons of our life and relationships, we bring honor and glory to your name and for our good. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate decisions for Christ this morning here at Orchard Church? Amen. Amen. If you made a decision for Christ this morning, please let us know about that inside your connection card there in your newsletter. Just give us your contact information and check the box that said you accepted Christ so we can continue to pray for you and minister to you. We'll send you a little uh, something in the mail, a book that will help you in your walk with Christ. If you're a first-time guest here at Orchard Church, thanks so much for being our guest today. Uh, We love having guests with us. We hope we've been as much a blessing to you as you've blessed us with your presence. Hopefully, fill out your connection card as a guest. You can drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. We're not interested in your money today guests but we're definitely interested in you we're going to send you a thank you note and a gift in the mail so let us know uh, that you're here today um, as we as we get ready to dismiss through a song of worship have you guys enjoyed god's not great so far okay you're gonna be here next sunday you don't want to miss it next sunday it's gonna be a good time together let's stand as we close the song of worship and worship through our giving god bless you guys